Okay, Ultra Von Bora, episode 001. We've tried to record this five times. And uh, both of us are just too into hijinks to actually, you know, get through a recording of it. Um, so, Rebecca, I have a question for you. Okay, I mean, I'm ready. Can you tell me a movie that you absolutely hate? Starting out on a positive note. Oh, uh, I can. I can think of a couple. Oh, yes, I have one that I really hate, but I'm afraid that I might be ostracized if I admit that I hate this movie. This is a risk I'm willing to take. I hate the movie The Notebook. So much. Well, we're just going to have to stop it right there. I mean, <laughs> Do you like that movie? Not particularly. It's no. a terrible movie. Do you want me to tell you why it's a terrible movie? I do. Okay. First of all, that guy is codependent unhealthy, and his obsession with this woman that he hasn't been able to get over isn't something to be admired. It isn't something to be like, aww, it's actually unhealthy, and he probably should have moved on. So what you're saying is that The Notebook is actually the precursor to Twilight. It's just gender Mm -hmm. reversed. Exactly. Exactly. This is a controversial position, and I'm proud of you. Thank you. I don't like that. I don't... I mean, like, I'm pretty picky with my romances anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be a good romance for me to like it. How do you feel about Nicholas Sparks to begin with? I want to like Nicholas Sparks. I want to believe in love. Like that, like that kind of like storybook thing. But mm-hmm. I, Nicholas Sparks just frustrate, ends up frustrating me more than I enjoy him. Interesting. What do yeah. you think about Nicholas Sparks? I don't think about Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me at all? At all. Um, I know that I did not like the movie The Choice. But not because of, like, the plot or the film or anything like that. Um, I didn't like that Tom Welling gets rejected in it. And Tom Welling is uh, Clark Kent from Smallville, uh, oh. which is, you know, oh, yeah. the one of the longest-running sci-fi shows in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and is my boy. And he gets <laughs> rejected which is by unreal, Teresa which is Palmer, un- which is just... That is just, you know, unrealistic. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. <laughs> no woman is going to be like, ah, you know what, Tom? You know what? The guy next door is, <laughs> is, you know, ridiculous as he is. He's just not you. <laughs> and he's like a doctor. I don't know. I, I, I feel it. I feel it. My question is not related to cinema or entertainment, so. <laughs> I'm ready. Hit me. Okay. You have a kid. Okay. What? I do. <laughs> this is part of the question. This is I'm, I'm setting it up. You have a kid. What do you think? So I guess the next 20, 20 years. What do you think is going to be the biggest issue in their world facing them? Like, what do you think your kids are going to be oh talking on podcasts about and debating? Such and- a, like, insightful question in my... <laughs> Like, what movies do you hate? I just, I, I want to know you. Well, I mean, they open our eyes to each other in different ways. This is true. Um, I think probably, well, I mean, the biggest issue now is stuff, you know, that's really rooted in, like, the sexual revolution and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the future will probably consist of just, like, really basic definitions of things that will probably be challenged. Like, I mean, Arguably, sure. that's already happening. Right, but I think it'll be worse. I think it will be worse. And it'll probably be worse with, like, incredible, like, purple, flowery language. Like it is, yeah. Yeah. Wish it is now. But, like, 
let's turn it to 11 and then add just like a lot more Logan Pauls and oh. <laughs> these like characters that um, are basically fueled by this vapid entertainment ideal um, that we sort of expected out of people that we look up to. So um, anybody who's going to try for any sort of, you know, uh, intellectual integrity while at the same time remaining relevant is pretty much going to find an impossible task ahead of them. So it's going to be really hard to, like, encourage my child to um, find good role models when they don't exist. Hmm. So maybe that is, maybe I've been thinking about Orwell too much, um, but who isn't thinking about Orwell (laughs) in the last five years? So seriously. Yeah. So thank you for that. Like really (laughs) hard hitting, wonderful question. (laughs) You're welcome. Next time I'll ask you what movies you like. (laughs) (laughs) Scary. That's a good segue though. Hmm. That's a good segue to what we're actually going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely not, you know, about films. <laughs> um, movie buff is showing. <laughs> and I still have a lot more movies to watch because I'm not movie buff. I make you a list. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. But for now. But for now, now we're gonna talk about Jesus and scripture and the things that you know are eternal. I like our minds on things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. And not, not things... Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Um, what are we talking about? What do we, what do we want to, What is this... What is our topic for the day? We bounced around a few, but uh, I think the one we settled on was self-denial. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly in regards to uh, what that looks like post-conversion. So, um, you know, you Christ has moved on your heart and um, you've been drawn by irresistible grace. And then you see Christ and his beauty and you see what's been done for you on the cross and you turn your life over to him and uh, you invite him in to which he already has claim over. So mm-hmm. is it really inviting? You're just sort of like, yes, okay. You're acknowledging <laughs> like his control. A very Yeah, like a very futile, sure. Um, <laughs> and now you see him as, as um, you know, your savior, your redeemer, your friend. Um and you're wondering, how do I put my trust in him in a way that is tangible and in a way that is in accordance with scripture? Because we know that whatever we feel or whatever we think has to coincide with what scripture tells us because that is the incarnate word of God. And um, Which we're taking by scripture alone, here. God has already spoken. So yes, um, we start there. And, I mean, I would start at a place like Philippians 1. Yeah, <laughs> near the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. In context, Paul's talking about a lot of things and like to live as Christ, to die as gain. This is the chapter where all that's talked about. But in verse 27, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Which tells me this verse tells me that there is a manner of life that's worthy of the gospel. Right. Meaning ideal. there's also a manner of life as a Christian that's not worthy of the gospel. Right. So I'm obviously drawn to the question of what, what is a life that's worthy of the gospel? What are we, what is required of us? What are, what's laid on us? Which then you brought up a verse that. Yeah. Um, so I think that this is like a very black and white issue. Uh, that I think a lot of um, 
Christian commentary sort of uh, obfuscates unintentionally and makes a bigger deal out of like, oh, it looks like this and it looks like that, uh, but not actually saying what it does look like. So, of course, um, Scripture is always going to speak, uh, you know, the Word of God and what is being asked of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I don't think that it asks beyond a power that is not supplied by Christ himself. So, with that in mind, uh, Matthew 10 is the chapter that I'm most noticing this. Uh, so, we get through that whole part of, um, you know, 26 through 33, which is a lot of have no fear, you know, um, don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear, fear him who can both destroy body and soul in hell. And, um, you know, this is where we find out about every fallen sparrow is, you know, mm-hmm. seen by God. But then we get down to 34, and there's Matthew. a dramatic shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Christ is not just the one who sees and the one who comforts, but he's also the one who makes a particularly um, divisive claim. And so I'm just going to read the uh, couple verses here. So 34, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And this is the notable part um, for this conversation. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward." So I wanted to read the whole um, chunk there, just to keep it in context. But particularly, what stands out um, in regards to this topic is, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there's already an implication there that if you lose your life for the sake of Christ and the gospel, um, and God the Father, you will find it. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like um, when you do find it, I guess, is the question. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to lose it, I guess, is to another be clear. question. Yeah, another is another question. question. Absolutely. The, the first question, rather. The first question. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I just want to say that, like, I don't think other religions say this. I don't think that mm-hmm. this is what you're called to do otherwise. Like, we, there's a lot of... There's a lot of talk about, like, emptying yourself of desire, which I hear in, like, Buddhism and, like, all of... A bunch of things. <laughs> Whoops. But um, we're not ever promised in other religions that we're going to find our life. Like, God values what he created within each one of us, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting. But we're also called to right. give it away before we can ever have access to it. Mm-hmm. So, giving it away. Yeah. It's an important thing, for sure. Uh, so, what does that look like? So, now that we know what, what scripture says about mm-hmm. this, that, you know, there there is an implied... Um, releasing of your will, essentially. So if, you're, if your life is the things that, you know, you are the sum of your deeds or something like that. Well, it's not only your deeds because, um, you know, the motivation behind your deeds is sort of the, the root cause of things. So 
it must be implied that you're giving up your will as much as you're giving up your actions. And if you're giving up your will, you're sort of saying, I don't belong to me anymore. So what does that look like? Um, not only in these like metaphorical languages of, you know, losing our life to find it, mm -hmm. um, which is not actually metaphorical at all, but we like to make it metaphorical so that we don't have to, yeah. you know, give ourselves up to the demand that it's saying, um, which is, hey, I offer, you know, a well that will never run dry. And um, which is more than anything else in the world is offering us, including our own selves. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, what does this look like in the day-to-day, -day, you know, in issues that we deal with in our own lives? And What does it look like to wake up and give up your life to find it? Right, right. Mm -hmm. I wish I could just, like, wake up and be like, right, okay, everything is yours, God. Instead, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need, like, 15 more minutes. <laughs> I need coffee first, and then I can, like, you know, sure, God, you can have my will. Mm -hmm. That's not first. It's never how it works. Then death to self. <laughs> then death to self. Yeah. But first coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Stop. Now that phrase is going to like mean something to me. Now. Like, hey, remember we were recording the podcast? <laughs> it's true though. Like something I think is interesting is that so often this is a, this is a message that's contrary mm -hmm. to everything else that's being preached to us. So true. So we're being preached at to, you know, even the joking target graphic tees, but first coffee, but this, that, you know, like mm -hmm. I want these things and the fulfillment of, you know, my coffee cup, the fulfillment of my life is more important than me acknowledging anyone else or me acknowledging that there's other needs right, besides right. mine, which I think is one practical, mm -hmm. one practical application of this. Right. And that's, a, that's like the big question that I've been asking lately is like, why do we automatically assume that the things that we desire and the will that we have is worthy to be, um, like, supplied? Why do we think that that's like, oh, because I desire this thing, like, I should have it? Or, um, oh, hey, I think that because my will wants something, I should be putting my energy. How do you know that your will is in the correct frame to go about anything? And I... I don't, especially considering how fleeting our consistency is mm -hmm. and how fickle our desires even are, how can we say that that is a true enough compass to put anything towards? So then when there's someone like Christ who seems very, very different, mm -hmm. um, and especially if we've already, you know, opened our heart to him mm -hmm. um, as he has wooed us to do, how do we not say, hey, that's a much better offer, you know, than this, like, shadow self that I am. I would rather serve that and do so joyfully and renounce all this stuff that is never going to even closely measure up to what is, you know, given to me by Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, given to me in Christ. Even. Well, I think the reason that we don't do that is because it's... All the time. <laughs> Is, is because it's preached to us from every single direction mm -hmm. that you are your source. You're going to make yourself the most happy. Only you know the true depths of your own heart. You have, right. to plumb, you have to plumb your soul, plumb the depths of your soul, so you can, you know, find the fulfillment that you're seeking after. And I think to our culture, it's especially offensive to say, hey, you know, I think that's a lie. Mm -hmm. I think you, right. you plumbing the depths of your soul is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And you reaching to the depths of yourself is only going to bring you despair. Right. Is, like, offensive. 
Well, why don't you just slap me in the face? (laughs) Hey, you, you aren't, you know, thinking correctly about this sort of thing is offensive to anybody. But then to say the fact that you're paying attention yourself is wrong, Mm -hmm. um, is of course going to ruffle some feathers. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I I think that it's like attractive. I think it's, how do I say this? It's attractive to be God to yourself. It's attractive to be the center of your own universe. But we're also, we have to first come to terms with the fact that that leads to emptiness. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are unwilling to do that. And they're willing to spend their whole lives chasing after their heart. Right. Instead of saying, you know, maybe I'm not the point. Right. And I think we all feel this. Like, we all feel that it's not fulfilling. Even though we are lying to ourselves and saying, like, no, no, the next thing will be. The next thing will be. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it's, I don't, I'm not free enough. And that's the problem. Or it's politics. Or it's the government. Or it's something. like My spouse. Right. It's my spouse that's, you know, infringing Mm -hmm. upon my freedom. And therefore, I need to shirk everything. There's something of an excuse in everything to sort of say, I can still follow myself and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But, again, you know, this is, Jesus says your well is going to run empty, but mm-hmm. I have living water, mm-hmm. and you will never thirst again. So, and again, to, to piggyback on your, your point earlier, I don't see that anywhere else. In, in other religions, I don't see that in the, the idols that I make of things or other people mm-hmm. or my own expectations. I only see that in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, other things might promise that, but they don't exhibit it in word and indeed in truth, which is clearly seen in scripture and in the life of Jesus and that he lived a pure life and was, you know, God, the God man. So assuming that the people that are listening to us have gotten their eyes off themselves, assuming Mm -hmm. that they're no, okay, okay. I'm not my own fulfillment. I'm there. I get it. Now what? So now it comes to looking towards Christ and looking towards Mm -hmm. what he's called us to. And like you just read the scripture, what do you think that direction looks like? What do you think is different? What do you think we're looking at? Hmm. Uh, I think that if you're willing to lose your life, you're willing to even lose the definitions that you have for what constitutes a life. Um, So that's a good place to start. So what does a good life or a flourishing life look like in the definition that the, the definitions that the world gives us? And what does it look like in regards to scripture? Well, of course, there are things that are all littered all throughout the New and Old Testament that are, um, you know, laws and uh, recommendations, you know, that we should, mm-hmm. we should take. And I don't think that it is unwise to look at those and, you know, make a real... Um, you know, concerted effort to understand. Mm-hmm. So in regards to those decrees and those recommendations, I think that those aren't done outside of seeking how Christ and the gospel have directed us into a life well-lived, not for our own glory, but for Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, that means that things have to change for me in the way that I conduct myself, in the way that I treat other people. The way that I treat myself, of course, too, but not as I'm serving myself, but more as I'm serving God, who has in, who has made me in his image, so therefore, on a basis, I should treat myself kindly. Hmm. But, on top of that, um, I think that, like, 
the way that I treat other people because they're also made in the image of God. So my treatment of them should come first. Mm -hmm. But both of those things should also fall under the way that I orient myself towards giving Christ glory. The verse that immediately came to mind when you were talking is count others as more important than yourself. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the whole idea that, like, once again, you're not the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that I've talked a lot about, like, you know, being practical, but I don't think I've said anything practical. Um, what do you think this looks like? Like, where have you seen this in your life, I guess? Okay. Um, I have seen it in the way I conduct relationships, mm -hmm. I would say. There's times in personal relationships where I'm tempted to make it about myself, and obviously I'm human and I've done that a thousand times, and I've been selfish, but I think ultimately there's a place we have to come to where we elevate the other person. So in friendships, there's been times where I can, I don't know, choose to bring the attention back to myself in a group of people because I'm an attention-starved person mm -hmm. who just wants all the focus on me, but I've had to, um, I've had to stop myself. And I've had to, even, like, choosing not to be insecure, choosing not to think only about myself after I leave a situation. Um, I feel that so strong. <laughs> but instead being like, yeah. okay, like, my relationships are in your hand, God. And my, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to worry about what this person thinks about me because that's not my business. I'm not going to focus on trying to change this person's opinion of me because that's not what it's about. So I guess in those kind of things and, like, the, sure. the analysis of my relationships within my own head after mm -hmm. I walk away from them. Yeah. God, I need to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally asking God, help me do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I fall into that all the time. And it's like, okay, I hope that I was I hoping just, that would make sense to someone else because yeah, it feels no, like a personal totally. thing, like an anxiety thing where I'm like constantly overanalyzing. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. And I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I always think about that like, oh, how did I conduct myself in this situation or whatever? And what could I have done better? And it's like, I'm spoiling the memory by doing mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like C.S. Lewis talks about this and like, I think it's Paralandra where he's saying, you know, oh no, it's out of the silent planet. And he says, the desire to have things over again, maybe this is like the sin, hmm. like a sin anyway, that like we, it's never enough to just have it once. So then we have to like drive home and like chew, chew all over it, you know, and mm -hmm. not to death when that's just like another subtle way that we make it about ourselves mm -hmm. instead of having it put into God's hand. Right. So I think that's like a really astute point. I was hoping that would make sense. What about you? Where have you seen having to let go of it being all about you in your own life or self-denial in your own life? I was reading somewhere the other day that, like, self-pity is, like, the worst sin. Oh. <laughs> it's like, wow. And I know that, like, um, you know, you're supposed to look at yourself as the chief of sinners. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Because, um, yeah, Probably I think... Pauline of you. Yeah, so, I, so, like, we're saying I do the same thing and, um, you know, I'll, like, analyze something. And my conclusions are always that I have failed miserably. Um in one way or another, it could be very subtle or it could be, like, you know, some great thing. Like, oh, I, I think that I accidentally insulted that person. And then you call that person and say, like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you were fine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yep, just overthinking, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I struggle with the same thing. But I think in a way that I allow it to um, be something I dwell on. And that's not good, obviously. And... That's just, again, making it about me and making it about um, 
you know, okay, the point is to conduct myself the way I think that I should conduct myself. Um, but instead of how did I give glory to God in this situation? Mm -hmm. You know, how did I walk uprightly? Um, how did I love my neighbor the way that I should, the way that scripture tells me that I should Mm -hmm. love my neighbor? Um, was I a coward in withholding truth because it was convenient at the time? It's like, I walk away from situations and I don't analyze those things, which Mm -hmm. are scriptural and holy (laughs) self-reflection. What is that person thinking about me? Right, right. Mm -hmm. So then I, I I can't remember where I'm hearing these things, but then I've heard like self-reflection is good, but introspection is bad. Hmm. So, like, yeah, you should look back on things and then say, how can I better serve God in mm-hmm. this area? Rather than, wow, how can I not be such an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how to do that. So I'm I'm plumbing through it in, a, in an attempt to, you know, put my eyes where they should be. Just mm-hmm. as much as anybody else. I, don't know. I was recently having a conversation with a friend. And we got into some sort of conversation. Um... And I remember her just telling me, like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I looked back at her, and I was like, well, I think you just need to trust God. And then she looked at me, and she's like, I have no idea what you're saying to me. Like, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. And um, I just worry that we wrap a lot of our conversations about this kind of thing in, like, a Christian cliche. Yeah. And well, so we're like, oh, you just got to trust God. But, like, that doesn't actually practically mean anything. Right, right. What does that even look like? Mm-hmm. When I first became a Christian, I was like... I want to get my hands on anything that can just tell me what to do now. Um, because, like, I had seen Christ and been like, yeah, I think, you know, he mm-hmm. died and was resurrected and he did so, you know, atoning um, for my sins. And I saw that and I believed it and I clung to it. But then it's like, okay, but what does this look like in the way that I live? And mm-hmm. what do I do now? Like, I can't just, like, believe something and ascend to the belief and then be like, cool, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to... In, it has to be lived out some way. The gospel mm-hmm. doesn't allow you to just like intellectualize it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I asked that same question. Like, okay, what does this look like? Like, how do I, how do I trust God in a way that's actually trusting Him with my life, rather than mm-hmm. just saying that I do? Um, so I think like a lot of the way that we talk about it is probably mostly unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe the answer is just what does scripture say more than what do we want to think that scripture says? Or what are we not reading in scripture because it'll be too uncomfortable for us yeah, to Yeah, that too, that too, yeah. yeah. And I mean, in the, in the context of looking at it from, um, you know, an outside of, of a Christian mm-hmm. point of view, or a secular view rather, that looks crazy. Mm-hmm. All of this looks nuts. Like, why are you telling yourself that you can't do things, you know? But it's, an, but it's not like an I can't do things. It's like I've been redeemed for more. Mm-hmm. I've been redeemed to a deeper meaning of things rather than, like, this topical um, small way that I mm-hmm. thought will be fulfilling simply because myself told me that <laughs> it was going to be. Yeah. I think for me, a picture that helps me think about it is... Um, I see us as like vessels or like containers mm-hmm. that are meant to carry the glory of God. And I think the world and every message that it sends you is telling you to fill your own, to fill your own cup, to fill your own vessel and that you are your source. We've talked about this a couple of times, mm-hmm. but, um, I think the uncomfortable part of the gospel or the, the truth of the gospel and the truth of self-denial is the fact that like you can't fill it. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have the water, you don't have the source, you're not your own source, you're actually only going to disappoint yourself, and only going to come to your, the end of yourself again and again and again. Right. So, um, and I think that, I think that deep down, the world knows that, and the world knows that mm-hmm. it's not going to, it's not going to work out for them. Right. And so, I think the message of the gospel seems like foolishness, but there's part of it that draws them in. Because they realize their own emptiness. Right. And there's like, wait, like, you know what? Maybe there is more. Maybe there is, mm-hmm. um, maybe there is a fulfillment to all these things that I'm chasing after. Because I think that there's a right. longing within every human soul. Mm-hmm. That, um, whether you acknowledge it or not. And, um, I think the great thing about the gospel is that it doesn't just call us to the empty part of ourselves. It doesn't just lead us to, like, more emptiness or more things to chase after. Right. Um, I yeah. say, all, I talk all the time about how the gospel is not a checklist and... You know, before I understood the beauty of Christ, I just saw the gospel as a weight I couldn't bear, as a list of obligations or a list of things I couldn't do. Right. When instead, it's actually, um, it's actually beautiful. It actually drew me in and the things it's asking of me are things that it's already been supplied. It's already supplied for me by Mm. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Can you elaborate on that more? Like, what do you mean by more, like, you already are supplied with those things? Good question. I guess what I'm saying is that everything that, I don't know, Jesus puts on me in self-denial and Christ calls me to, he's fulfilled for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a list of obligations anymore, but I have um, things to do that are a joy to do because the grace of God has gone before me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely shouldn't be this, like, you know, drudgery, I think. Like, we, we talk about these things in, in self-denial, and it sounds like death, because it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a death that we go to with joy. You know, like, death, where is your sting? You know? Mm-hmm. So, I think... Yeah, your point is great. <laughs> <laughs> death sounds Becky, so Becky, you have such good points! <laughs> Death feels really negative. Mm-hmm. But we don't serve a God in which death was negative, you know? The, mm-hmm. the reality that is the redeemed life, death is um, only the means to resurrection. It's not the end, you know? Death has been defeated. Mm-hmm. And our ultimate freedom comes from our own death. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean physical death which I do believe eventually our physical death does lead to our freedom. But there's little deaths. We have to die mm. all the time that lead to actual freedom. Yeah. So that's important too. I think it's an important part of tr- uh, the, the truth of the gospel that, I don't know, I think sometimes people try to make Christianity tempting by saying like, Jesus is going to fix your life. Jesus is going right. to make you happy. Jesus is mm-hmm. going to give you everything that you want. There's a lot of yous in there. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, then how is Christianity different than the world? How is that not just putting a glaze over the self-love right. how philosophy? How is that not conservative morals? Exactly. Rather than, no, this is, you know, a, a death to self and a life to something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not, and I don't mean that in like a cliche way or like a Disney way. Mm-hmm. I mean that in realer than reality as we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a sci-fi way. <laughs> way either but um i'm disinterested it is supernatural in definition absolutely i'm disinterested in continuing to live a life that's all about me Hmm. because i have come face to face with my own inadequacy and emptiness Mm -hmm. and i found freedom there 
Right. I think that um, I had some, I had a conversation with someone once. I was like sharing the gospel with them, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, it's like so sad that you think that about yourself. It's so sad that you think like you um, that you need help or that you're that you know wretched of a you person. Need a crutch. That you need yeah. a crutch of God. And I I remember thinking like, it's actually like so freeing mm-hmm. for it to not right. be me getting myself together and making my making a life of myself. Instead, it's I've been provided for. Yeah. And I'm yep. taken care of. It's, um, there's grace for me. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not about me anymore. Like, I don't have to live for myself. I don't have to live for my own gains and my own right. ends. I'm living to Christ. Right. So we were talking about, like, the rat race the other day, mm-hmm. right? And I think that this is one way in which, like, yeah, you leave the rat race. Mm-hmm. When you when you, you know, go into, you know, the life that is redeemed. I think that that totally is such a paradigm shift Mm -hmm. that, of course, it's going to be jarring to us when we're trying to, like, you know, find our footing, like, newly birthed giraffes trying to, like, stand. I don't know. And there's there's a video. Look it up. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have to... This is an audio podcast. We don't have like illustrations or like YouTube (laughs) clips to show you people. So, um, yeah, but it's going to be like a, a finding your footing, I think ultimately. And of course that's going to look really crazy and absurd to everybody else who's watching Mm -hmm. that doesn't really understand what's happening to you internally. Mm -hmm. Um, but the wooing of Christ is only going to like naturally incite some sort of loving response that says more more mm-hmm. of that um which you're not going to get if you don't get yourself out of the way and practically i don't have to walk into social social situations anymore and think how can i make these people like me more how yeah. can i make this about me how can i make sure that they see me in this certain light mm-hmm. instead i can go in and care about loving people and right. actually well, seeing them you. Mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh and unless and, and unless you can like look past yourself i don't think you can get there i think that um without freedom from yourself you're enslaved mm-hmm. you're enslaved to insecurity among other things and we need christ's grace to free us right right does that make sense? I mean, I think so. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Learning just as much as anybody else. But, um, yeah, I think it, I mean, we're never going to understand, like, the ins and outs of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're never going to know, um, you know, certainty until we're in glory. Assurance, mm-hmm. probably. But certainty, no. Um, but I think that what has been given to us in Scripture is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all we need, necessarily. So... If that's the case and God deemed it relevant and eternally relevant and important and vital for us to hear, you know, uh, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, He wouldn't have put that in there (laughs) if he didn't want you to read it, you know, if he didn't want you to know that word from him. Mm -hmm. Um, That is what he likes. Um, But again, I think it's important to remember um, to obey is better than sacrifice. Mm -hmm. uh, To quote Keith Green, God wants more than Sundays and Wednesday nights. So, (laughs) I mean, uh, and that's true. So, uh, and again, like, you know, just going back to your other point that the gospel is not a checklist. It's, mm-hmm. um, 
it's the call that incites a response to, you know, live for Christ and to die as gain. I like it. Cool. I'm going to have another sip of gin. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to click it close off. Close this out. So I have one more question for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hit me with it, Sitterly. I'm hitting you with it. What is a film that you did not we're going back to films that you didn't oh we're going back that you did not think that you would like but you actually really loved hmm honestly, honestly the one the immediate one that pops into my head honestly um to all the boys i've loved before oh yeah that <laughs> is an american classic like <laughs> amen it's up there beyond like so oh my gosh so i was like home from school one day and I was like I just need I just need to turn my brain off and I turned on this movie on Netflix that just looked like any other movie like some stupid rom-com and I was like laughing hysterically on the couch and then my roommate's like what are you laughing at and then Mm -hmm. she came and joined me and the movie was so good oh my gosh that's like the best commercial for this movie (laughs) Pete Kaminsky Pete Kaminsky man Man. that man (laughs) He's perfect. He is a good man. He's, He's a, good a good man. man. And the fact that he like stood up for her in that hallway. Like, I know. If you haven't seen the movie, up. just go to Netflix. It's yeah. there right now. Uh-huh. We are not sponsored by <laughs> Netflix or <laughs> to all the boys I've before. Yes. But um, it's a great film. Highly recommend. Mm, that's a good one. Mm. What about you? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. There's got to be like one or two. You got to think of something, man. I got to think of something. That's true. <laughs> should I play the Jeopardy theme you song? You should here? play the Jeopardy theme song. Gotta find it, man. Yeah, find, find it. it. See, I ask a question, I'm not even supplied with the answer to it for myself. <laughs> um, Don't worry, I'm getting the Jeopardy theme song, guys. Good. It won't be long. I caught like half of this, I'm just saying. Okay, it'll be better. Oh, I found a 10 hour one. <laughs> this is an ad. It's <laughs> almost better than the Jeopardy theme. Here we go. Is this gonna like require royalties? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, okay. You got one? I do. Jumanji 2. <laughs> I only have seen the preview and I wanted to see it. The one with the rock? Yeah. Yeah. It was good? I liked it. I did, but I didn't, like, love it. Like, I I don't know. It's not, like, my favorite movie by any means, and I probably would watch it, like, one more time. Hmm. But I really went into it, like, okay, fine. Fine. This is what we're watching. That's cool. I'll bear with. And then, no, I was, like, <laughs> laughing hysterically, and I don't know. I think it was mostly Jack Black. The man... <laughs> Jack Black the is The man hysterical. is a talent. He is. He is our American treasure. So... <laughs> Jack Black, if you're out there, you're the all man. you gotta do is love Jesus, and I'm yours, you know. So <laughs> I'll tell him. I'll yes, tell him. I know. We'll sing, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin together in your and your wonderful van. And with that, <laughs> thank you. We can't post that now. Oh my god. We'll just cut the end off. Great. But also, thank you for listening to the first episode yes, of thank Ultra Number. Sticking with us, you made it to the end. We appreciate it. Yes. Um, you get nothing for your work. <laughs> but if you wouldn't mind sharing our work. <laughs> yes, we have an Instagram under Ultra Von Bora. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the handle. At Ultra um, Von Bora. And it'll put it in the notes. We'll put it we'll in the show. We'll put it in the show notes. Which is the thing great. that we can say now. If only we could make them look like playbills. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that would be even more pretentious than my voice sounded when I was saying that. So I don't know what any of that meant. I don't know what a playbill is. And on that note, <laughs> we say goodnight. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>